Hello, you're listening to By The Way, a podcast about contemporary art news. My name is Eric. I'm an artist and an art professional here in Stockholm. And my name is Ando, and I'm a podcaster and an artist here in Copenhagen. And today, we're going to be talking about death. So let's get started. (laughs) Excellent. So there is an LA-based artist named Sam Durant. He uh, recently had a work installed at the uh, Walker Art Center in Minnesota. This artwork is called Scaffold. It was originally um, built and installed uh, for Documenta 13, so that was back in 2012. At that point, this piece wasn't very controversial. You know, It, it was a good piece, but nobody really talked about it. Um, after this work was installed in Minnesota, kind of got people up in an uproar. Um, kind of odd and, you know, not really sure what changed. Well, the the work itself is a giant gallows. So if you're not familiar with the gallows are, they're the, the platform and the structure for where they execute people uh, by hanging. So this is a larger-than-life uh, scale version of one of those. Platform with a, with a raised beam and a noose? assumably pretty much yeah so this is i would say based on you know the images and the video that i watched i'm saying it's about four and a half stories tall so massive in size the the reason that this one is extra dark uh, beyond it just being a large execution device is that um this artist often references the dark side of u.s history and this particular uh, gallows that he built uh, referenced the largest mass execution in the U.S. history in which in 1862 the U.S. put to death 38 Dakota Indians um, and this was kind of towards the end of the war. So the Dakota Indians are the Native Americans that actually come from that region of Minnesota as well. Um, the work um, didn't really you know, do much to people in Germany, but all of a sudden, oh, it's you know near the Indian era, or the Native Americans that were uh, executed. Let's say a hundred and fifty some years ago or so. Uh, I guess in Europe that everybody's used to the fact that uh, Americans are uh, homicidal maniacs, so it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't raise uh, any uh, any eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they're. Well, that's high. That's that's it's coming from Germans, so you know. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's <laughs> documented castle uh, Germany, um, but yeah. So then the extra extra kickers to this. So there's a couple quick little kickers here. Is uh, the the work or sorry the Walker Art Center sits on land that used to actually be a part of the Dakota tribe. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. The sculpture garden in which this sits is also a part of the Walker Art Center. So it's not as if it was some random spot. It oddly, sure. you know, it wasn't it wasn't created and intended to be installed at that place. It just happened by circumstance uh, to go there uh, eventually. Um, then, so as, what's the what are people angry about? What is it? What's controversial about it? Okay, so this is where the controversy part. So yeah, it's it's uh this mass mass execution device uh, or replica of it um, sitting on former Dakota tribal lands. 
then there's a few activists out there that are saying that it shouldn't and couldn't or couldn't and shouldn't be made by anybody who is not a non-Native American. And this goes back to, uh, I guess, our first lost episode that we did with uh, Dana Schultz and her painting of Emmett Till. Um, yes. For those Which... of you who don't know about it, we'll put that in the show notes. You can go kind of look at that. But it's generally, if you're not of that identity group, can you make commentary upon that identity group? And are you profiting from other people's suffering? Exactly. That's what it also comes down to. Yeah. Um, and then where it was located, that the, you know, the, the, the tribe wasn't involved in the process, so they kind of were surprised. Okay, here's mm. this horrible, you know, gas chamber type of thing mm-hmm. on our old land. Um, so there was a little bit of insensitivity from the Walker side. And then lastly, this is uh, definitely the more posh side, you could say, or the, uh, the locals' approaches that a lot of people didn't like that it, how close it was near the highway because it was very <laughs> visible for, like, you know, commuters. And I'm not sure if you're familiar, but there's a Klaus Oldenburg work there. It's iconic. It's the uh, Cherry Bridge, or sorry, uh, Spoon Bridge and Cherry. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, right behind that. So you get this, you know, whimsical Klaus Oldenburg, Cherry Bridge, or sorry, Spoon Bridge and Cherry with this giant, you know, wooden structure behind them. Um, Reminder of genocide. Yeah. Yeah, You know, the thing about this is it's kind of similar to the Danish Schultz one. I can understand where you come from, uh, but I can also see that we're reaching a somewhat fever pitch of telling people who can talk about what. And I'm not sure that's necessarily going to help anyone become more aware of of uh, issues about uh, privilege and and uh, and roles and all that sort of stuff you know and i'm i'm coming from a privileged role saying that uh it's tricky i mean we actually we have a friend who lives in la who's italian and she wants to leave the u.s because she's tired of being yelled at about what she's allowed to talk about she says it's gotten so bad which that, is crazy because can't... uh the the freedom of speech laws um are supposedly much more uh, open uh, than what they are in Europe. But culturally, it's not, apparently. I mean, I, I've been gone from the U.S. for so long that I'm actually not so, so um, I, I don't have on-the-ground knowledge. I mean, my I just had a visit from the U.S., and my sister said that you cannot say the word retarded anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... That, is, that is really not okay anymore. When I left 10 years ago, it was... It was, you know, insensitive, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like, uh, certain racial slurs or you know, yeah. sexual orientation slurs. No, absolutely. I think if the intention, like in this guy's case, Sam Durant, he, his work often talks about this. This is something that it's not a one-off work in which he's, okay, you know, I came across this good story and I like the the structure it's some type of design thing this is actually a part of his practice and he's yeah uh, i i think it's appropriate for him um so this is kind of the the fallout from it now this is why uh this came into the news again so after a few months the artist is actually kind of giving ground and said hey you know what like i might have missed the 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 
the point or maybe I should have got people involved in this and all that. So he seems to actually be this person who's like, hey, you know what? I probably should have been a bit more inclusive. He's thinking about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, So he kind of like put out an apology. Then he, along with the Walker Art Center, who owns the work as well, have actually signed over, let's say, the copyright of the work to the tribe. So the tribe is now the owners of this. They are now going to take the work in a kind of, they said, top secret way. They're going to dispose of all the wood, or sorry, they're going to recycle all the metal, you know, do all the green-friendly, happy stuff with that. But then the wood, they're actually going to take and bury um, in a top-secret location um, that would be uh, in in line with kind of tribal uh, traditions and ritual Mm. traditions. And so they're kind of going to reclaim this work and reclaim this... uh, I don't know how you want to say it, kind of the spirit of the work. Yeah, I guess the spirit of the work. Um, but apparently there's uh, the original gallows that were built. There were uh, some morbid people that wanted to go there. And this was back in the 1860s that went and collected wood from there as trinkets and souvenirs, <laughs> kind of like, uh, you know, the the crucifix uh, where every you know church in Italy has a part of the cross. And if you put it all together, it would be, you know here to the moon kind of yeah exactly um and so this tribe is actually a little afraid that there's going to be some morbid people out there that are going to go collect parts of this uh current version and so they're going to bury it in secret well i mean i can't be i can't be against the idea of censoring this guy's artwork uh and then be against the idea of them getting control of the artwork and burying it as they see fit i mean i feel like that's a, a a a great way to uh i don't want to say end the life of but like continue the story of an artwork yeah i, th- I thought it was Why not, a, a successful know? uh compromise yeah yeah because i think again all the yelling about you can't do this well you know comes into the like what are we gonna do you know well that's a nice thing to do you did something you uh you interacted with this artwork as you saw fit and uh go for it you know what yeah. about the Walker Art Center? Did they defend it or were they like, okay? No, no, they they defended it. Um, so the Walker Art Center stood behind the artist. The artist, you know, stood up for uh, what they believed. And it was over this couple-month period because this was installed at the end of May. Um, mm. that With talks with the, the tribe and, and such that they came to this agreement. And it, it might have been an education process. It could have been um, purely PR it's it's really tough to tell, you know, exactly, but that the artist actually signed over the copyright as well is a huge thing. Um, Bless them all. Bless them all. You know, that's what I, I like to hear that. I think that's the best resolution possible to that sort of conflict. Mm-hmm. Instead of people saying Dana Schultz's uh, painting should be destroyed, you know, they're actually like um, doing a performance art piece out of the disposal of this performance or, or of this uh, installation. You know? Absolutely. Um now I don't know if I'd agree if they with the Dana Schultz one if they're like, hey, let's go, you know, ceremonially destroy this work. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I think the approach by the the people that were opposing the Dana Schultz uh, work of just pure destruction of it, um, without considering its cultural value, still was equally as insensitive. Um, if you found her painting to be insensitive. Um, 
Yeah. Well, God knows we're going to see a lot more of arguments like this in the next years. Well, that's only if you believe in God. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so, th- so that was our first uh, discussion of death. Um, and then, uh, so in Essex, England, this was about two weeks ago. So it's it's approaching old news now, but still nonetheless, uh, there was this. Um, 800-year-old stone coffin that was at um, at a particular church and kind of a part of a museum collection and such. And so it's open to the public. There's, you know, other artifacts. And because we live in this, you know, selfie culture, everybody needs to take a photo in front of everything like the Mona Lisa, this old stone coffin, which is laying down, protected by a plexiglass barrier, um, these two parents lifted up their uh, their child. I forgot how old they were, but a couple year old uh, child, and placed him in the coffin for a photo op. Um, okay, that's pretty pretty bad. It's uh, pretty ballsy. Absolutely, and you know they knew that they shouldn't be doing it. Not only that, but then somehow this kid or the process of putting the kid in the coffin, uh, they broke a chunk off of the stone coffin. Um, Killer. Yeah. So on video, they actually have a video of this couple doing it. This chunk falls off. The people in the museum here are kind of annoyed, but nobody is really urgently, okay, we got to go hear this or figure out what this sound was. Um, In the video, and I've not seen the video. I don't know if it's been released. There's just been uh, some reports of what they see in the video. The parents pick up the, the kid and take off don't say anything don't tell anybody just get the hell out of there um uh-huh. and by the time you know the the people from the museum get over there there's nobody there sadly enough the camera of course like doesn't get the parents faces or anything like that so they don't really have much information on what to go uh, or who these people are and how to track them down um but yeah so the worst part about this sort of stuff is that we're just going to end up with everything so buried behind boxes and uh, you know cutaways and and and, and ropes and barriers of all sorts of type, you know because because the thing that's always wondered me is like they can't ever really hold anybody financially responsible they don't seem to um, which I'm all I'm for when like uh, you know you drop a bottle of wine in the supermarket and they're like ah eh, don't worry about it like okay fair enough. But when you're like, oh, I'm going to put my kid in this like thousand year old uh, cultural heirloom of our country so we can take a goddamn selfie. Um, I'm not sure that that shouldn't be there shouldn't be some sort of accountability. I mean, they could wash dishes in the cafe of the museum for the next uh, thousand years. 800 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And uh, then this gets to. Um... It got got me to thinking, you know, this this type of stuff happens monthly now. You hear it all the fucking time, and I I don't know if it's a a rise somehow with you know social media. I'm not blaming social media, but you know people having phones and uh, where they can take four thousand photos instead of just in like the '90s when you had a roll of film and you had you know twenty four, thirty six, or what it was a forty eight per roll. You really didn't want to use all your photos on something so silly 
Like um, your fucking kid. <laughs> well, of course, like your kid. I mean, who wants photos of their kid? Uh, for the listeners out there, we just now uh, know who has a kid and who doesn't have a kid. Um, take, take a stab at it. <laughs> so, yeah, but this reminds me, man, it must have been eight years ago, maybe five years ago. Uh, you probably saw photos of this. This was in New York. I think it was at the Met that... Um, or maybe it was MoMA. There was a uh, Donald Judd work, and for you artists or artists listeners out there um, that don't know Donald Judd, he was a minimalist artist. Um, and this one particular work, he took kind of, for for lack of a better description, I'll just go for it: rectangles or squares, colored, placed them on a wall like little shelves. These little shelves uh, sit it in mathematical intervals up the wall. So you get a nice positive, negative, positive, negative space all the way up the wall vertically. Um, so let's say one of these rectangles are 15 centimeters thick. The gap between one shelf to the next is 15 centimeters followed by a positive form, 15 centimeters, negative space, 15. So there's a nice little cozy shelf in there. And there's a photo that somebody snapped of these two pretentious art lovers let's say um and their kid laying in between the gaps of this donald judd just just hanging out laying and the photo looks as if the kid probably was ready to take a nap um yeah yeah you know (laughs) there's so many arguments about this sort of stuff about who is art for and what you know but there is something called value and there is something called uh rarity and and you know these works need to be protected at the end of the day and like you know it, okay maybe a museum should be more kid friendly i will make that argument i was gonna ask week. you that yeah do you think but, museums uh, should be for kids i think that museums should sometimes be for kids how so i think that well, I think that that's based off of the curator or the artist or so, you know, they can, you can decide who you want to interact with your uh, ex- exhibit and how you want them to interact with it. And if it's always for kids, well, then that's going to exclude people who uh, hate children <laughs> or, you know, or, or just people who want to look at art in a different way. And, uh, and you know, it should also be uh, – except you know, some of the coolest exhibits I've seen here in Copenhagen recently have been completely hands-on fucking body flop onto the art, uh, you know, uh, installations, foam, um, you know, all sorts of stuff where you can crawl, jump, throw, whatever. That's great. But that's the design of it. Donald Judd was not designed as a nap station for your 15-centimeter tall child. You know? No, no, but it was used for a changing and nappy station. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's just not appropriate to the artist's intent. I mean, there must be some sort of respect for the intent of an artist and the intent of, a, of, a, of an exhibition, of a, you know exhibition architects, designers, all that sort of stuff. You don't get to appropriate it to your needs especially at a place like MoMA where I'm sure you can find it a very appropriate place to change your child pretty easily. Yeah. So, so are you, so are you, are you opposed to having kids in museums? Um, no, or not do you at think all. There should be uh, like sections of a museum that are open for uh, children. So a very, you know, like say a contemporary art museum that has a room or two of highly interactive works so that the, 
the concept of exhibition design actually follows that where there's a section of not every exhibition, but every museum that is work that is interactive to get that um, for children and for the peop- the adults that can't figure out to not be children that they can, <laughs> you know, that they can touch something. They can fiddle with something. I'm for both of those things. I'm for children going into art shows where you can't fucking touch anything. And I'm for having interactive spaces. Uh, the, those, the, those children's rooms can sometimes have a whiff of pandering. Yes. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, again, that comes back to how you do it and how thoughtful you are. I think I don't think that museums should generally be for a certain set of people, but therefore I don't think they need to compromise on their their vision for what they're trying to do either. That's part of the balance, you know? Then I, I do this, so I, I want to hear where you stand on this because I think this could be very interesting. Um, oh, you're an asshole. I, I'll tell you right now already. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I am. I, this is going that way. Do you feel so? You know, a lot of museums don't have guards everywhere. Um, you've handled work. I've handled work. Um, you know, uh, I know when I'm supposed to touch things, when I'm not supposed to touch things, and if I do touch something, how to touch it. Um, when you're in a museum. How do you think, are you empowered? Do you feel like you should say something to another visitor, you as a visitor, if somebody's up there touching a Donald Judd or mm. putting their kid in a coffin? Um, mm, do you think you, question. as a another visitor of a, let's say, a public institution, um, it's a shared uh commodity i guess uh of society or your community it's your tax money whatever do you think you have the right to get involved in that i think you absolutely have the right to get involved in that i do not i'm not i can't promise that i would being the conflict shy uh, uh weirdo that i am no, no, uh, you're, would, you live I, in Scandinavia, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, I don't. I, I, I'm not sure. I would. Now, now putting a, a, a child on top of a Donald Judd is a fairly egregious. Uh, I've never seen anything to that level. I have seen people like putting a thumb on a sculpture or something, and I've never butted in before. Mm. Um, yeah, I have been known to sneak a touch of an artwork here and there if, if I've decided that uh, it won't damage the work. I will admit, <laughs> um, but that's I wouldn't touch a painting, for example. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I think you do have the right to say something. I can't uh, promise that I would, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I could passive aggressively let let it be known that I disapproved. Yeah, wait. Of, now I want to hear what's your behavior. What's your passive aggressive uh, um, technique? Well, I don't know. Talking talking loudly to whoever I'm with about how that person shouldn't be doing that. You know, not talking to them, but loud enough that they can hear it or some shit like that. <laughs> I mean, I guess in theory, what you should do is go get a guard, right? You don't have to necessarily do that yourself. You should get someone and be like, uh, ding dong over in room four is doing this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, recently I had snitches get stitches. Snitches. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We don't want that. Right. No, I was at the Bonniers Konstal here in Stockholm with a American friend of mine and we were looking at this exhibition and, um, the, this room wasn't that large as 
couple hundred square feet, handful of works on the walls, and a couple little sculptures, and they were they were very tactile. But as we all know, you don't touch the artwork ninety nine percent of the time. And this guy who was in his sixties was there with a kid in his probably twenties. Um, I don't know the relation, but let's say grandson. And they were talking a lot at the work. They definitely understood the work. They were very engaged with the work. And they would not stop touching it. Um, and this was new work. This was work uh, from 2015, 16, 17. Um, they would not stop touching this stuff. And I watched. And they touched this work. Then they touched that work. Then they touched this work. And it became to a point where it wasn't just one object. It was like, oh, my God, is that velvet? Like, is that real velvet or something like that? They were um, just pawing that shit right up. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I stopped my friend, uh, Nicole, and I said, hold on a second. And I walked over, and I yelled at him in Swedish and said, you know, you, you can't be doing that. Um, and if you do, I'm I'm going to take you out of the museum because this is a small museum. They don't have very many guards, um, and <laughs> and you're also in Sweden. That is hilarious. Um, and my friend Nicole was like, what was that all about? So I had to tell her, and uh, she's like, uh-huh. So I think she was like, Eric, you're you're a little crazy. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I watched a little bit longer. Sure enough, they touched it again. I go, seriously, I'm going to remove you from the museum. I personally will walk you out the door. Um, wow. and you know what, then the rest of the time we happened because the, the format of the museum, we kept running into each other. Every time we walked by, they kind of took a half step back from every work that they were looking at. And I mean, I'm not a big guy and I'm not that uh, scary, but I think just being confronted about that definitely. Oh. That crossed the line for you. Absolutely. You know, like. Could I'll, you imagine it being your own work? I would be pissed if it was my own work. Um, but is that what you imagine in that situation? I also. That it could be anything. It could be yours. It could be something else you hold dear. Absolutely. You know, um, I also don't know the materials of all these things. Um, I know there's a. Uh, let's say particular bronze that don't get uh, certain types of patina on them. When they get a little bit of oil on the metal, they can varnish and, or sorry, they can tarnish very easily. And then all of a sudden the, the, the museum has to deal with a damaged work. I mean, that's a very small damage. Uh, an in-house conservator can, you know, polish that out in a heartbeat, but you do that hundreds of thousands of times. And that's where you get these, uh, ancient, uh, works from antiquities uh, where arms are missing and stuff like that because people took the liberty of, eh, you know what? This this uh, bust, or sorry, this uh, the winged Athena or, you know, Nike, something like that, didn't fit through their doorway. So they're like, yeah, you know what? Let's just bust off the arm. Then we can actually get it through the doorway into our apartment. Yeah. Um, Grab a hammer. Yeah, just just take off an arm. It'll it'll fit in this corner better. Um well, I have I have one more story to I, I can't resist telling the story to top this off before yeah, we yeah. end, um, and and uh, we're gonna have to I, we're gonna have to leave the PG rating behind for this one. Oh, so, oh this uh, is the you know, not safe for work. We're gonna have to put that on this episode. Yeah, this is now into the adult section, so uh, consider yourself warned. I went to an art school that was connected to a museum in the United States. Uh, I know of I which one that one is. Indeed, you do. 
Now, this, uh, this as, as these schools often, uh, they have an issue with the students being somewhat angry about the status of the museum or wanting to provoke the position of these museums. So, for, uh, for example, one time a student put a pair of boots inside one of the galleries in the corner like it was an artwork. And it didn't damage anything. It didn't do anything. But he was severely reprimanded because the 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 museum put their foot down and said, "This is you do not get to fuck with the museum. Mm-hmm. Experiment all you want in the school, but do not fuck with the museum." But the story goes: while I was there, and I cannot verify this, and that's also why I'm not going to name the place. That a student, as a, a let's just say air quotes uh, art project, went into the bathroom museum, masturbated. And then, uh, then put his thumb in the uh, in the result of said masturbation, and went up to various artworks and just put his thumbprint onto them with his semen, which was, uh, I guess, from a conservation point of view, would not be visible for many many years, but at a certain point, would essentially burn his thumbprint into them, potentially. Uh, potentially i don't i let's, let's not get into the technical of this because we don't even know if this is true or an urban legend but but that was the story and he got caught and he was expelled immediately absolutely there was no if ands or buts about it you have defaced important artworks and you know his defense as uh as asshole art students often do is that it was a performance art meant to provoke uh thoughts about the value of art and uh, my bare ass, etc. So, uh, you know, they don't they don't fuck around when it comes to that sort of thing. It's considered un uh, unreplaceable cultural treasure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and it's you know, it, again, it's one of those things. How much do you value um, collections and past and art history versus how much do you want to provoke new and change and etc. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to follow that artist with masturbating and semen and thumbprints. Um, <laughs> All right. So let's wrap it up here. Yeah. So this episode was, uh, about death. Yeah. And babies getting changed on Donald Judd's, which is kind of a metaphor for death, right? <laughs> well, no, no, he didn't really get changed. He was taking a nap. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sleeping on, on minimus sculptures is a good, is a good metaphor for death. Um, <laughs> so boring. So, yeah, thanks for listening to By The Way. And uh, if you have a moment, please jump over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a star or a rating or five stars or whatever. It helps people find the show, helps spread the word, tell your homies. You can find us on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Oh, uh, our MySpace page. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. MySpace for reals. (laughs) Yeah, so you can find us on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Come yell at us. Come tell us what you think pitch us stories you hear about any cool stuff we're open to hearing it and uh and thanks again we'll just catch you next time all right talk to you soon all right all right